there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Why don't you follow me and I'll help you find a place to take that load off. The Chili Crew is just about to start. If you've been here before, well, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on how things work around here. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And just let me say, you came at a great time, too. We're taking a weekly walk through the Bible, one story at a time, from Genesis to Revelation. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Oh, 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 here we go. Here's a nice seat right up front for you. Now you sit down and get comfortable. I'd like to sit here and talk to you and get to know you better, but that was the dough. I got to go. Those youngsters better get the lead out. This crowd's ready to go. I'll be right over there. Didn't realize the restaurant would be this busy today. I'm coming, I'm coming. Welcome to the Order up. Last week, Joseph got thrown in jail because of Potiphar's wife. Yes, his, his master, Potiphar. And he's in the jail where all the king's prisoners go. And I found that interesting when, when we read that. He was put in a prison that it's, it's so is it like a five-star prison? or <laughs> I don't know. Well, it, it's probably filled with people that are of high enough stature to be in the presence of the pharaoh. So if someone does the pharaoh wrong, then they're here. So they could be like even leaders from nearby nations. It could be... Uh, leaders that they don't want mingling with people that they could eventually hire on the outside. We're going to take it off here at chapter 40. 40 in Genesis, just so everybody knows. Yeah, Genesis, <laughs> Genesis chapter 40. 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> their master, the king of Egypt. All right, I have to read this again. Okay, go why, ahead. Why would they be so start, redundant? Start over, yeah. <laughs> Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Okay, let's stop right there real quick. I found that really interesting. It seems like this prison is in this dude's house because it's it just said he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison. The captain of the guard either lives in the prison or he was given a house and this house apparently has a big, pretty big dungeon or, or something. The king's just ticked off right now. So get away from him. You know, I don't want to see you anymore type of thing. So go to his house and serve him at his house. It almost seems like he's giving this guy servants or... That because I think at one point it says dungeons. Yeah, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Yep. Right. So I, I don't know. This just sound, it sounds strange to me. Now the captain of the guard, which is interesting because we talked last last chapter about how Potiphar wasn't brought up again. Right. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. Is is so? Is, are you saying that's Potiphar, or are you yeah, saying that's that that's Potiphar? That that's Potiphar. Okay, hold on. So, oh, where is Potiphar mentioned before? Potiphar is, um, well, the, no, the beginning I, of chapter thirty-nine. Yeah. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. 
Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. That's so funny. So Potiphar, so it sounds like Potiphar was the one that gave these guys, so Potiphar had to run into Joseph every now and then. Yep, and he gave them, here, Joseph, you're in charge of these guys, which further backs up my assumption from last chapter where I said he knew of his wife's wiles, but couldn't question her word and put uh, the word of a servant above his wife. Right. I, I would assume that would be something like dishonorable almost. Right. You know, because, I mean, if word got around, that would, oh, man, for that household, it would be bad. Yeah. So the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered. But there is no one to interpret them. Okay, hold on. So, and this is something that I found fascinating. It seems as though Joseph never left this role of authority over the household. Now, obviously, it sounds like it's a different place. Okay, obviously. But it sounds like just like when he was in Potiphar's house, he, I don't want to say worked his way up. It's not like he got promotions. It's, it's the guy knew he could trust him with stuff. It sounds like Joseph did the exact same thing. Like, instead of just, like, slamming, you know, slamming the door shut and shove him in a cell and locking him up, like, you know, the cartoons and stuff show him, it sounds like he was like, hey, I can help you with that. Well, you got to feed him? Yeah, give me the food. I'll, I'll do it. I'll feed all the, all the prisoners. You know, so it sounds like he's, he's kept that, that same rapport, and because of this, God blessed him again, and so now it looks like he could just roam the prison whenever he wants. He's, he sees two prisoners that have been there for a little bit, and he actually cares about them. So it, it's Joseph is such, this is an awesome witness for the Lord. One of the things I find really great about this part right here, these are servants. These are servants of the Pharaoh. When they had troubling dreams, went to the wise people of Egypt to have them interpreted. Joseph is now in a land that holds high value to dreams, where he was sold out of a land where he was ridiculed because of his dreams. Right. You know, and he was interpreting them in such a fashion that his brothers and even his dad didn't really like it. It didn't fit. But now they're looking for someone that can interpret dreams. Hey, that's part of my resume. <laughs> <laughs> then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph of his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes. I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup into his hand. Joseph says, This is what it means. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup back into his hand, just as he used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me, and show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. 
I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put into a dungeon. I find that interesting because a lot, so many people misunderstand a lot of, when, whenever scripture talks about servants or slaves, we all think of what happened in America with the slaves. That is not the picture that they always had when it came to slaves. Most of the time, slaves, if, if we were to give a more analogous of, a, of a, a proper terminology, maybe I could just say that, a proper term today would be an indentured servant. Most people who were made slaves or made servants, be, they were usually done that because they owed some outstanding debt and couldn't pay it. Or they did some crime and they're like, well, you know, instead of death penalty, it's you're going to serve in this house for the rest of your life. And, you know, they were branded as a servant because of something they did in their life. It wasn't, they were just beating them mercilessly, you know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Now, yes, this did happen, you know, I mean, this is foreshadowing all the way to Exodus. 400 years later, eventually, yes, it did turn into enslavement for the entire nation of Israel. But I'm just saying, like, when we're looking at this and he's, he's trying to convince him, hey, listen, I'm not a slave. I'm actually not a servant. I shouldn't be here. His thing was, he was trying to let the guy know, listen, it's not like I murdered some guy and I'm in this prison. He's trying to let him know, I was stolen away. I do not legitimately belong as a servant. Right. Which I, I'm just saying, that's, that's interesting. We were talking about context on uh, some of our live casts and previous episodes in our podcast. We talked about context in scripture. This is huge. That do not misunderstand what a servant is here. He said this for a reason. On, on to verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said, I too had a dream. On my head, there were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. I wonder if he had like a, a straight face. Like, I was just wondering that too. Like you're saying it like, oh yeah, by the way, I know what this is. If God's given him the interpretation here, how would he deliver it like that? Knowing that the first guy was like, oh yeah, yeah, three days you're going to be out of here. Three days you're going to be out of here too, but... Right. In <laughs> a different way. In a different way. Yeah. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his positions so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. It almost sounds like this guy did something to tick Pharaoh off so badly that he was going to hang him during his celebration. Because they were both pulled out on the same day on his birthday. So I, I almost wonder, what, what did this guy do where it caused Pharaoh to just, uh-uh? Well, maybe, uh, you know, he, he has his, his priorities. Maybe, like, burnt bread or something. He can, he can deal without a baker. But, you know, maybe the, the butler, the, the cupbearer, this had, you know, he had his flavor down. <laughs> he, he knew when to quench his thirst. You know, maybe he was like, "You do good. I got, I got plenty of people that can bake. But you are a wine connoisseur, and you bring me the right drink." You know, 
Right, and I'm I'm pretty sure during that time their job was also to probably test it for poisons or something. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cup bear. Oh, he died. I want another cup. I bear. need another one. <laughs> but I, and this this is this happens all throughout the story of Joseph is Joseph all the way back in verse. What is that? Eight. Yeah, verse eight. He says, "Do not interpretations belong to God." Every single time that Joseph had an instance pop up where God could be given the glory, it sounds like he he purposefully took that opportunity. Because wasn't it with Potiphar? He's like, wow. Potiphar's like, wow, you're, you're a really good servant. And then he gives glory to God. Yeah, right. like right here. It says, and, he, and the Lord was with him. And then later on, Potiphar says something to the effect of, uh, I know the Lord is with you. And so it's it seems like... It seems like God, I guess Joseph gave God his, his due respect when, when it comes to Joseph's whole life. All right, continuing on to chapter 41. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing on the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Okay, I would I would wake up for something that's just disgusting. <laughs> Cannibal cows. Huh? Cannibal cows, run! He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up to seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up, and it had been a dream. Did he, like, like do a double wake-up, like, from a movie scene? Like, <gasps> and he's awake, and he sees corn. Oh, he yeah, 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 he never woke up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> Let me interpret that. Um, I'm real forgetful and I'm an idiot. I should have told you this a while ago. <laughs> Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he had imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the, the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was in there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted, interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other, he was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and, and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I can't do that, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. Now God, God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Okay, that once again, though, that's I, once again, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. God just gives this stuff to me. Now, I had to take a time out because I'm a huge fan of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. So the Pharaoh in my head right now is Elvis Presley. 
because they did Pharaoh is in the building. You know, it's <laughs> uh, yeah, look oh, no. look it up. Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat with Donny Osmond. It, it, yeah, so that forever ruined my head. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they were grazing among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and really ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all of the land of Egypt. The hey, lean, ugly... Hey now. <laughs> the lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had eaten. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. And in my dream, I saw seven. You see, he didn't say he went back to sleep. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. Okay, I got a side, side note. Why do they say the east wind? I've never understood. East would be Canaan. So did the is that where the the famine came from? I don't know. I'm, I'm just uh, interesting. I actually I didn't look this up because I I was like, why the east wind? I wouldn't even know where to start. But right. I know. I'm just saying. I know there's got to be a reason. He mentioned it twice. Right. So go, go ahead. Sorry. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of the Pharaoh are one and the same. God, is God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all of the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The, the abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. Uh, scripture actually talks about this. This is called the law of confirmation. So like in, in scripture, a lot of times you'll see prophecies about something, and then another prophecy will come about in a different way and be told in a different way just to say, to confirm it, to seal it, basically. And that's that. I don't know. I never noticed that until now. So on in 33, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and, and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food and of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God made all these known to you, 
There is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. That's cool. <laughs> wow. that I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Although it sounds like, it almost sounds like Joseph was preparing for this moment his whole life. Because for the last several years... He was put in positions of power, and he was like basically he was, in Potiphar's house. He was the second one in command. Mm-hmm. In this other guard guy's house, the the prison house or whatever you want to call it, he was once again the second in command. He was the one who took care of everything. So it just it's very interesting that it would lead all the way to this point that his organization skills and leadership and authority skills and. You know, just his his ability to administer, what is it, the gift of administration, his ability to do this led him up to this point. It's like God was was grooming him to be this man. It, it, I love how they throw show so much respect to uh, to God in this. We, we've spoken before about how many different gods they had in Egypt. Joseph giving all the glory to God and Pharaoh recognizing it sets him apart. And he didn't have to do anything greater than what God gave him already. And that is just, that is fantastic. I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. It seems as though Joseph, Joseph was a man that just said, God, I'm just going to take the step forward and you got to do the rest. Like, I'm going to give you the glory. I know you're here with me. All I'm going to do is do what I know is right. And in this, obviously, all of these instances, what to do what is right is to fulfill his duties as a servant every time. And now he is, what, the vizier of the pharaoh at this point? Yep, the grand vizier. Grand vizier. I, I, I like, it's a, a double entendre, if you will, or a double meaning. With respect to the physical throne is the difference between pharaoh and Joseph. But with respect to the heavenly throne, is you know, with respect to the heavenly throne, you know, you it has brought you up here to me. You know, it's it's just crazy. Well, I find it interesting again that they, because we talked about this in the last episode when it came to uh, his other master, I guess uh, Potiphar. It actually, in my Bible, it says, to whom the Spirit of God, and Spirit is capitalized, God is capitalized, they're talking about the Heavenly Father. They're talking about the Holy Spirit. Like, they are talking about the actual Judeo-Christian God. They are not talking about some little G God. Right. And the reason we know this is because uh, other places it talks about, like it says, you know, only the gods know this stuff. Not Joseph saying it, but other people, and it's lower G. I'm just saying, like, we know that this is, he is saying, your God, Joseph, you have the spirit of your God type of thing. And it's just, I find that interesting because so many of us, we we get this idea that anybody in the Bible during this time that was not a Jew was apparently pagan and evil. It's just interesting that he obviously has a very in tune spirit with the real God, God, the Judeo Christian God, because otherwise, number one, how could God have been able to reach him through a dream? Uh, number two, how could he recognize that what this boy is saying, what this young man is saying in front of me is going to happen? This is going to be it. And it, it just, it's something that we all got to keep in mind when it comes to wherever we're at. And I'm, I'm glad you actually brought up to the respect to the throne type of thing, 
because I know right now we live in a very uh, politically charged <laughs> environment. And as part of that, I don't want to go political, but I, as part of this, the Bible actually does say that we are to pray for the leaders and we are to have respect for them, whether we agree with what they're doing or not. That's not the point. The point is, is that we, they deserve the, the due respect that's theirs until they violate scripture, until they violate what God is clearly trying to do with humanity. Mm-hmm. Then we've got to stand on the word of God. And, and that's yep. it. Now in that, that little musical, <laughs> the, oh, no. the, the Pharaoh, he talks about how great of a decision it was to hire him because it was his idea. You know, you were blessed by God, but it was my idea to hire you. <laughs> it makes me look good. <laughs> but hey, I think this has been really cool. Uh, so many I enjoy the story dreams. of Joseph. I, I love Joseph. Yeah, I, I know. Yep. It, the story is just, I don't know, just someone who can, who can stand and go through all of this and still stand on a thus saith the Lord, yet at the same time he is a servant, just a blatant servant. And he's not complaining. He's just, I'm going to do my job. I'm just, I'm just going to do my job. I'm here to do what I'm supposed to do and influence people along the way. Talked about parallels between Jesus and Joseph. This, I believe, is is kind of where a parallel ceases here because this is what it would have looked like had the officials embraced Christ instead of crucifying him. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm pretty confident because if they recognized that God was with him and embraced him and allowed the teachings to take place and allowed the the dream to happen and that's on that's on us that's on the, the, the re- religious leaders of that time. Well see I I don't know about that because I prophecy very specifically state states that Jesus had to be the the blood sacrifice. If Jesus would have came and they would have accepted his birth and they would have raised him up. He would have still lived a perfect life. He would still have healed people. He would have still been wonderful, but he would have still had to have been the lamb slain because that his blood needed to be sacrificed to prove that God is the one that's going to uphold this promise and not man. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I may not totally agree with that. I, I think it would have gone better for everyone if they would have accepted it. I mean, yep. I mean, imagine where Christianity, Christianity would be if the religious leaders of the, that day would have recognized what this was. I mean, I, my, my personal opinion is I think Christ would have came the second time already because humanity would have been ready for him. Right. All right. Well, um, I think this will wrap up this episode. Hey, guys, this has been Tom. And this has been Justin. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, hello, everyone. Now that this is all over, I hope you had a great time. Now, listen, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm closing up. You can get a hold of them on something called Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Podcast. Podcast? What are they, fishing for whales? Listen, folks, just look up Biblical Chili anywhere. I'm sure you'll be able to find them out there. And until... Lord willing, we'll see you again. May the Lord bless you. Goodbye. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. I think there can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did... 
Congratulations, you're one of the few. We love you.